Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, and it's not really Christmas. Well, not here, but over in Eastern Europe, it is Christmas Day on the Orthodox uh, uh, Church calendar. And uh, as we celebrate uh, the final day of uh, our series on uh, the Advent, I thought it might be appropriate to say Merry Christmas. My name is Chris Willicky, and I'm an elder here at our church. Uh, and I also have the joy of serving with my wife, uh, Jill, uh, in a marriage ministry that we uh, started just last year called Core Marriage uh, Ministry of Faith Community Church. Uh, there is a, uh, a course that we're coming, uh, is coming up, I think, in April, April right. It's in April. It's, uh, it's uh, done by Alpha. Uh, some of you may still remember the Alpha courses that we had here. This is the marriage version of it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so look for that information that's coming uh, in, the, in the spring. And Jill, where do you serve? We also serve as a missional community leaders in North Hudson, and I serve as the women's ministry director. Well, this morning we're going to be uh, uh, in the book of John uh, again. Uh, so if you want to grab your Bibles uh, and turn to John chapter 1. Uh, in the pews there, or not pews, we don't have pews here at this church, do we? Uh, in, the, uh, the, the, in the backs of the chairs is uh, a Bible for you if, you if you need one. It's found on page 886. Uh, and so I'll give you just a second to find that and go. All right. No, maybe just more than that. All right. Uh, so it's uh, John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? He said to him, Rabbi, uh, which means teacher, where, uh, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. On the, uh, uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Uh, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I saw you, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree? Do you believe? 
you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chris and Jill. Good morning. Hey, welcome everybody. It's good to be with you. My name is Tim, if we've never met, and I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Community Church, and uh, it is not Christmas, so I got, a little ner- I got a little nervous, like, Chris has lost his mind. He doesn't know what day it is, but Happy New Year, everybody. It's really good to be with you. Uh, I, th- I think it's already been mentioned, we're wrapping up a series we've been doing since Thanksgiving. We've just been reading through the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and uh, we're going to bring that to a close today. And I just want to say a little bit about what's coming uh, in the first quarter of this year. We're going to come back to the Gospel of John in March. We're going to pick up right where we leave off today. But for a few weeks between now and then, we're doing a series called, Why Do I Do What I Do? And the title really does kind of say it all. This is a series about the heart and why your heart is so important, what God says about your heart, and how it controls uh, every aspect of how you perceive the world and how you process your life. Uh, This is a theme that I think we come back to with some regularity at Faith Community Church, but it is really, really important, and we, we forget it really, really easily. Uh, This was driven home to me again this week. Uh, Darcy and I had a a dear friend come uh, visit us. We haven't seen her in several years. And she's someone who has suffered uh, tremendously. She's just been through a lot. And she told us in coming to visit us uh, that we were her last stop. Uh, Last stop before what? I don't really know. Uh, But she uh, has lost hope. And uh, somewhere in that conversation, I asked her, and she's a follower of Jesus. She's been walking with Jesus for more than 10 years. Uh, But I said, has anyone ever taught you about what your heart is, how it works, and how it impacts everything about how you process life? And she said, no. We just did a little, I gave her a snapshot of the upcoming series there at my dinner table, and it was really helpful to her. But, you know, churches, and this church is certainly no exception, just loaded with the walking wounded uh, who, who just need a reminder about how uh, the gospel transforms the heart. Uh, the heart is not just the control center of your life, but it's also the key to your transformation. It's an incredibly powerful thing. So it's not just a bad thing, but it, it's the key to actually healing, maturing, and growing. And we we really do see marriages healed here. We really do see kids who uh, are rebellious and uncontrollable learn to love and respect mom and dad and things like that. But the heart is the key to understanding all that. So we're just gonna take a, a few weeks to teach about that. And my goal, like this would be success for me over the next four or five weeks, would be that everyone at Faith Community Church, 14 and above, okay, so teenagers, you're not exempted, Everyone 14 and over, number one, would leave this series saying, okay, I believe you. You've shown me in the word of God that my heart is one of the most important aspects of my being. And second, that when you or others around you are processing trouble, 
that your first instinct would be to say, I need to slow down and, and take a look again at what is happening in my heart so I can respond to it in a way that's gonna help me actually grow. Everybody got that? Is everyone on board with that? Say, I'm on board. All right, don't lie in church. Here we go. Before we get there, let's, let's wrap up the first chapter of the Gospel of John together. And if you could have uh, a copy of it in front of you, either on your phone or one of the Bibles uh, from one of the chairs in front of you, that would really help. I just want to show you a few things in there. If you would remember this, and I, there, you know, I don't expect that you need to have remembered this, but in the Gospel of John, the glory of Jesus or the identity of Jesus is revealed through seven signs. John doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. Seven things Jesus does that point to his true identity. And then he also reveals his glory or his identity through seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the light of the world and so on. Well, in this first chapter, if you have it in front of you, Jesus is now introduced to us from verse 19 until the end of the chapter. Jesus is introduced to us now with seven names. Seven titles or names are assigned to Jesus by a variety of people in these verses. I'll just show you a few of them real quick. In verse uh, 29, he's called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In verse 34, he's called the Son of God. Verse 38, Rabbi. Verse 41, Messiah. Verse 45, Jesus of Nazareth. And then the King of Israel and the Son of Man in verses 49 and 51. All of chapter 1 really is just introduction. The, the body of John's gospel doesn't really kick off until March, okay, when we start chapter 2. All of this is here to just say, would you please keep reading? Would you take another look at Jesus? And so all I want to do this morning is show you the theme of what Chris and Jill just read for us today. Here's the theme of John uh, 1, verses 35 to 51, as we start the new year. And that is that whoever you are this morning, whatever you've done, however you're coming this morning, Jesus is the one you're looking for. He really is uh, the thing your heart is after. And there are some things about Jesus you are not going to get until you come and see. Okay, Jesus, you're going to see in the reading today, he, he just knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly what to say. He knows exactly who you are. But there are some things that you are not going to get until you come and see. Okay, let me see if I can show that to you today. All right, verse 35 uh, begins this way. The next day, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. Those two disciples are John, the author of this uh, book, and his friend Andrew. And John the Baptist looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, and this is like one of my favorite things in the whole Gospel of John, th this is the very first thing Jesus says in the Gospel of John. He turns and he says to them, 
This is how the New International Version puts it. What do you want? <laughs> it's the first thing he says in the gospel. What do you want? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And they came and saw where he was staying and it was uh, four in the afternoon. That's the 10th hour. The 10th hour is four o'clock in the afternoon. All right. Friend, can I just say to you this morning, whoever you are, however you're coming in this morning, wherever you're coming from, God is asking you the same question this morning. He sees you here. He has turned around. He is looking at you. What do you want? <laughs> Why are you here? Because there's a principle in Scripture you, from Genesis to Revelation, and the principle is that God will generally give you whatever it is you think you really want. And that's not always good news. But generally, he will give you whatever it is you think you really want. Uh, scripture teaches that things like comfort, security, significance, hope, we're kind of getting into the next series, all right, but those things that your heart is really after, Scripture says, you can find those or you can try to find those apart from God, or you can find them in relationship with God, but there's almost nothing worse than pursuing those things over here and then, and then finding once you have the thing you're after, there's nothing there. Uh, what do you want? And the disciples' response to me is funny and perfect, okay? Funny because I just... I think the whole scene is funny. You know, they're following, they're what? <laughs> John the Baptist says, hey, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who knows if they had any idea what that meant, but they just start following him like two little puppy dogs, you know, and Jesus turns, what do you want? I think they have no idea how to answer that question. I mean, what would you say? <laughs> but the response is perfect. What do they say? Where's your house? <laughs> You know, like, where are, you, where are you hanging out today? Could we just come? Just like be with you? What is it that they want? They just want Jesus. And that's the key to the, to the whole thing. They just want to know, hey, our, someone we trust said you're kind of the dude. Could we just spend the day with you? And, it, and, and that's exactly what they get. If you go to our website this week, okay, fcchudson.com, go to our events page and find the Christianity Explored page. At the bottom uh, is a video uh, where a guy talks about his experience in Christianity Explored last year. Everybody should just go watch it. It's just a really fun story. He's actually sitting over there, but I won't say it. I, anyway, just leave him alone. <laughs> in the, in the, in the story, uh, what I love about it, it's just like, the everyman story. He, he begins pursuing Jesus for the reasons that we all do. He's trying to sort out life. That's why we come to Jesus. But there are questions about, well, is this even real? How would I know? But at some point, if you listen to the story, he, there's this transition. It's a transition that everyone has to make on their way to Jesus, which is, at some point, it's not about just, is it true or not? But who are you? Like, what is it really like to know and walk with you? 
And that's exactly what these guys are after and it's exactly what they get. John makes a note in verse 39. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, so they spent the afternoon or they must have had dinner together or something like that and they move in a few verses from rabbi in verse 38 to we found the Messiah in one evening. Don't you wish you know what they talked about at dinner that night? But the point of of what John is saying here is There's just something about Jesus. There's just something about him that you're not going to understand until you come and see and spend the day with him. And he's the one you're looking for. Let's look at the next disciple in verse 40 there. He says, Now one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon And said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. It's the Aramaic for Peter. So John is illustrating for us a principle that, you know, we've known forever, which is that the gospel moves best through families and best through relationships where there's already trust. And what happened, you know, Andrew kind of, You know, Andrew brings his brother Peter to Jesus. Some of you can resonate with that. You're here this morning because your parents dragged you here. Welcome. You're here because a girlfriend dragged you. Welcome. Well, look at what Jesus does. And this is all that John tells us. He looks at at Simon and says, this is who you are. This is who I'm going to make you to be. It's, it's, It's an incredible encounter. And the point, once again, is that Jesus just knows exactly what to say and exactly what to do but more than that what we see with Peter is that Jesus and only Jesus really knows who you are only Jesus has the authority to look at you and say this is who you are now this is who I'm going to make you to be this is great news because, you know, we, we live in a context where creating or discovering or expressing your identity is like the American pastime. Uh, and here we get to see it's only in following Jesus that you're going to find yourself. In the book of Revelation, there's this really interesting comment that Jesus makes. It's Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, and it's Jesus speaking, and he says, To the one who conquers, I'm going to give a white stone with a new name on it that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now, what's going on there is in this ancient context, when a a gladiator or an athlete was victorious in the arena, they would be awarded this white stone to wear around their necks, like a a Super Bowl ring. You know, know, people wear their Super Bowl rings around things. For, for Viking fans, then the Super Bowl ring is this thing that you just... You know, just. <laughs> Pat Stream was shaking his head before I even started that joke. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't, he's going there. He did it. I'm sorry. Too soon? It's just too soon. Okay. Jesus is saying, though, for those who will endure, for those who uh, continue in the faith, I have this white stone with your true name on it. And I'm going to give it to you one day. I think that's awesome. 
We live in a time where everyone's on an identity journey and trying to find or create or express their true identity and Jesus is here to say, I really want you to stop trying to find yourself. I want you to find me and I promise I will help you to know who you really are. Part of the challenge of finding your identity in Jesus is that it's a lifetime process. Do you think that Peter just knew? I mean, in John chapter one, was Peter just like, oh, I'm Peter, I get it, and this is how life is gonna, there's absolutely no way. It's as he followed Jesus over years and years that he moved from Simon into Peter. And that's Jesus' invitation to you today. He's the only one with the authority to say that. This is who you are. This is what I made you to be. And if you would, if you would come and see, I'll show you. Let's take a look at Philip in verse 43. So the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. There are only three things that John tells us about Philip. Number one, he follows Jesus because Jesus said to. Number two, we learn he's from the same hometown as Andrew and Peter. And number three, we learn that he's an inviter. I mean, his first instinct is to go find his buddy and say, you, got to, you just got to come be a part of this. You got to come uh, meet Jesus. For sure, John's point here is once again to highlight Jesus' mysterious ability to just take one look at a person, say, follow me. And even today, people will just drop everything, turn around and follow Jesus. That for sure is the point, okay? If you would allow me some speculation this morning, which you're going to right now, uh, Philip also strikes me as someone who loves to be where the action is at. I say this because John, think about all the details in the, in the world that John could have given us. He, he wants us to know Philip was from the same town as Peter and Andrew. And I think part of the reason, you know, he shares this is Philip just strikes me as someone who is waiting to be a part of something special. He sees his friends doing it and he's like, all right, I'm all in. Okay? And some of us are like that, right? And some of you love to invite to, you're just, in it. when you find something you like, you find a restaurant you like, you find a whatever you like, well, everybody's got to like it, right? I think Philip is kind of like that. And, and if I could be allowed to maybe stretch the text a little this morning, I, I would just say one of the things we see in Scripture is that a, a groupie is not to be despised, okay? A, a groupie is not to be despised. I have a, a, a friend, a really good friend, who's doing ministry at UW-River Falls. He just works with athletes. There are 386 student-athletes at UW-River Falls. More than 150 of them are in Bible study every week right now, with my friend. It's just incredible, it's just incredible. And he was telling me over break here a couple of weeks ago, there are a lot of guys there who are showing up week after week because there's some cute girl and they know they don't have a shot with her if they don't have some interest in Jesus. Okay, now, is that the goal of ministry? Everybody say no. No, that's not the goal of ministry. But how many guys, why don't you just stand up right now? If you're a guy and you're a Christian, at least in part today because of some cute girl, why don't you just go ahead and stand up right now? There would be a whole bunch, there you go. Thank you, honest man. There would just be a whole bunch of us, okay? 
So a groupie is not to be despised. A lot of us come to Jesus in this way. And, you know, in churches where, where we take Scripture, the Word of God, really, really seriously, sometimes there's an aversion to making things really attractive because uh, what you bring people to Jesus with is what you're going to have to keep them there with. I, that's just true. So absolutely, there has got to be substance to what we're doing at Faith Community Church and we are going to build Christ-centered communities, okay, not cute girl-centered communities, but we're also going to make them as welcoming and attractive as humanly possible so that you want your friends to meet your church and meet your community. Come and see Jesus. Uh, we, we want, and I think you guys, by the way, you already do this so well. Okay, last year was just a great, great year. You already do this so well, but it's worth saying again. We want the refuge and Awana and faith kids to be places where kids want, they're saying to their friends, you just really need to come and see. Come and meet Jesus with my friends. Our missional communities, men's Bible study Thursday morning, women in the word, silver saints, all of, the, of these places, we just want them to be places that you really want to invite a friend because it's in the context of opening God's word and being with God's people that we come and see, okay? If that's not the case, by the way, if you're here this morning, you know Faith Community Church is going to be home, okay? You've decided that. But you don't yet have that place where you want to invite friends to come and see. Would you help us to build it this year then? Help us build a missional community or a ministry that you would love, all right? Let's take a look at the last guy then, and, and this is my favorite, verse 45, it's Nathaniel. It says, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we found the one of, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, just come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, look, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Uh, just a, uh, three things that we learn about Nathaniel from these verses. Number one, I think we see that he's a Bible guy. Nathaniel knows the scripture really well. Second, we see he's pretty uh, jaded. He's a cynical person and he is a little full of himself. And third, I think we also see he's someone that really does care about the truth. And he's wrestling with God. Uh, he, he just reminds me of a kid, you know, that grew up in church. He might be a little too smart for his own good. For a variety of reasons, he's just become a little cynical about the church in particular, about faith. Uh, 
But there is still in him a desire for something real, something true. So he's a Bible guy. Let me, let me show you where I see that. I, I see that in the way that Philip approaches him and in the way that Jesus approaches him and in the way that Nathaniel, Nathaniel responds to everything. Philip says to him, verse 45, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and also the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth. There's an assumption that those categories would really mean something to Nathaniel. But what really fills this out for me is the way Jesus approaches him. I mean, this conversation is just loaded with subtle, almost undetectable allusions to uh, the scripture. And there's a lot of wordplay going on here. It's like if, you, if you've ever sat at a table with three people who work at 3M together and they just start talking an acronym for 40 minutes. And you're saying to yourself, I know that this is English, but what are we saying right now? If you've ever uh, you know, been, been around when two engineers in the same field meet each other and they just start talking shop and you think, what are we even saying right now? They're throwing around all these words. You're, you're, we're listening in as two Bible guys encounter each other and start talking and at least you know, from the outside, it, feels a little like code. There's a fig tree and an Israelite in whom there's no deceit and angels of God ascending into, you know, it's like, what is happening right now? Well, I think that Nathaniel and, and is someone who knows his scripture really well and Jesus is meeting him right where he's at. Nathaniel also strikes me as a pretty cynical person or uh, a little full of himself. You can hear the disdain in his voice where he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What a jerky thing to say. Uh, so uh, he's not super impressed with Jesus's resume, but the thing Nathaniel has going for him, two things really, he has a friend that's persistent, and I think he really does care about what's true. He has a high regard for the truth. And I would just want to say, a person that cares about the truth is never going to be far from the kingdom of God. Okay, if you're an agnostic this morning, for whatever reason, based on your experiences in life and the things that you've seen, you just cannot see why Christianity would be plausible, but you really care about the truth, you're not far from the kingdom of God. If you're an atheist or, or a Muslim or a Jew or, or a nun, you know, a religious nun, and for whatever reason, you, you just sincerely cannot get there, but you care about the truth, you're not far from the kingdom of God. I say that uh, because of verse 37. I believe Nathaniel is one of those people. And there's the subtlety of language in verse 37, or 47, excuse me, Jesus sees Nathanael and he says, look here indeed is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Well, there's a play on words happening here. He could have said this in a lot of different ways. He could have said, here's a Jew in whom there's no deceit or here's a, a cynic in whom there's no deceit. But he intentionally chooses this word. Here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And there's irony there because the first person named Israel was Jacob, and he was like the worst liar in the whole world. I mean, he lied about everything, but he really, really wanted God. 
Uh, the other thing about it is that the, the name Israel means he who wrestles with God. So it's as though Jesus sees Nathanael coming and he immediately, before Nathanael can even speak, he says, you know, here at last is a son of Jacob who really wants to know the truth and is not playing games. Uh, here at last is someone who's wrestling with God and is not messing around with holy things. And he just knocks it right on the head. And Nathaniel responds by saying, how do you know me? Like, have we met before? <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus is demonstrating once again, for those of us with loved ones, family members, kids who are far from God this morning, he's demonstrating once again that if people would just come and see, he knows what to do. He always says the right thing and he always does the right thing. Alyssa Childers uh, is an author, speaker, podcaster. She's just a really, really excellent thinker. If you're looking for something that would really encourage your faith, Alyssa Childers would be worth a Google this week. She's something of an expert on the phenomenon of deconstruction. Deconstruction is not a word I guess I've heard in the last two years, but prior to two years ago, I mean, every time you logged on social media, you saw another evangelical deconstructing their faith in a public way. Childers writes this, and she's studied dozens and dozens of these stories. She says, if you're going to define deconstruction as going through all of your beliefs, picking them apart, and discarding the ones that are untrue, then it's really healthy. Especially if you're deconstructing some of the cultural things we grew up with that just aren't really have been examined very closely or maybe you misunderstood why your church did those things. If you're deconstructing unbiblical practices in relationship with Jesus, that's just good discipleship. I would want to affirm that this morning. At some level, everyone has to deconstruct. We used to call it asking questions. But if you want to call it deconstruction, it's fine. Uh, she goes on, I think in our culture, she says, deconstruction is more typically understood as being undergirded by a universalistic relativism. In my experience of reading deconstruction stories, there's sort of a fundamental assumption that objective truth doesn't actually exist. And it's our job as enlightened, mature people to move beyond the truth we grew up with and to ultimately live our own truth. Uh, she's talking about uh, this kind of self-made, self-created, uh, anti-rational, this is my truth, this is your truth. And she says, if that's what deconstruction is, you can never know Jesus in any meaningful way. On the other hand, a person like Nathaniel that really wants to know what is actually out there, what is actually true, that person will never be very far from the kingdom of God. So Nathaniel, you know, he is a little full of himself, he's a little cynical, but here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He really wants to know. Now what happens next demonstrates again why we, we need to get people to Jesus. He just knows what to say. In verse 48, Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, 
when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. No one is really sure what's going on here, okay? I've read a whole bunch of people and no one really knows. But we have like three guesses and there may be more. Here are at least three guesses on what is happening here. The, the simplest explanation is that Jesus saw him under a fig tree and said, hey, I saw you under the fig tree. Okay, fine. But if, if, if the first time I met you, you said, oh, I saw you at Aldi, I'd say, okay, that's fine, but I wouldn't worship you, okay? Uh, that's not... The, the second possible that doesn't make sense out of his response. The second possibility is that both Zechariah and Isaiah, when they talk about the coming kingdom of God and the Messiah, one of the things they say is, uh, everyone will get to sit under their own vine and fig tree. So that's a possibility as well. He, he, what he may be saying to, Phil, to a Nathaniel is, you know, do you remember when you were longing for the coming of the kingdom of God? Do you remember before you were so cynical and jaded and you were looking forward to the Messiah? I knew you then. I think that's possible. But the, the third option is most plausible in my own mind. And that is that in the first century in Jewish communities, the, the fig tree uh, was a place of contemplation and prayer and especially, a, a, you know, of seeking after God in a unique way. You would sit under the fig tree uh, and be seeking after God. And I think what is happening here is Jesus is, is talking to Nathaniel about some time in his life when he was desperate about something and he was seeking God in prayer and pouring his heart out and something that no one else in the world would know. And Jesus is coming to him and saying, do you remember that when you were desperately seeking God? I saw you. I was there. If you came to me and I'd never met you before and you said, spare bedroom floor, 1994, I was there you would undo me. <laughs> I would say, oh, holy cow. Uh, I, I said in the first service, I don't think even my wife knows what that means. She came up to me afterwards. She's like, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess I've told you that story. Okay. What's happening, wh whatever it is, okay, Jesus is coming to super smart cynical man and flexing his prophetic chops and saying, Nathaniel, I know you, and I have always been there, and I am the one you're looking for. And it, you know, <laughs> Nathaniel's response is, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. I mean, literally five seconds before, it's like, Nazareth, who's Nazareth? Even Jesus seems a little surprised. You believe, because I said I saw you under the fig tree? And then he says to Nathaniel, truly, truly, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's, this, it's a reference, it's, it's Bible code, you know, for Genesis chapter 28 verse 12 where Jacob has a dream. Jacob, the, you know, the, the, the guy we've kind of been talking about, he has this dream of a ladder connecting heaven and earth and these angels going up and down on it and Jesus is saying to Nathaniel in Bible code, I am the ladder, man. I am the connection from heaven to earth. And if you're impressed with my little magic trick that I just did, I am gonna blow your mind. 
Philosophers are going to be talking about what I do in the next few years for thousands and thousands of years. And you should come and see. And I believe he would say the same thing to us today. To those of us deconstructing our faith, those of us maybe who are a little too smart for our own good, if you've become cynical about the church, you've become cynical about Jesus or whatever, would you just come and see? I think Jesus is saying to Nathaniel here, man, you wanna, you wanna plumb the depths of scripture? We can do that. You wanna get into the corners of obscure philosophy? I will blow your mind. But you need to come and see. So, this is my uh, invitation, our invitation to you in the new year. What do you want? What do you want in 2024? You made any resolutions? What do you really want? Because the word of God says, if what you really want is God, he has not made it complicated. All that is needed is that you would come and see. I want to invite you to be here with us. Come and see. Every week that you're in town, come and be with the church in person for worship. We're going to honor God with our singing. We're going to open God's word. And Jesus has promised if we will open his word, he will personally come and speak to his people. If you're here and you know, you're one of those people with, you just have a, a lot of legitimate questions that are in your way. Man, you're in the right place. And we have a class called Christianity Explored. It's beginning again this Thursday night, seven weeks long, free meal, free childcare, also known as a date, and then you talk about Jesus, okay? <laughs> Come and be a part of that. And finally, you know, if, if Faith Community Church is home for you and you've not yet found a place that you eagerly want to invite friends to. Help us build it, all right? I'm gonna invite you to pray before we sing. Would you just take a minute right now, as the new year begins, would you just tell God what you really want, whatever it is, tell him what you really want to see this year, what you really need this year. Almighty God, thank you for your word and for your son Jesus. And I ask this morning that you'd have mercy on us. God, have mercy on us and those that we love this year. We ask all together that you would shine the light of your glory in the face of Jesus into thousands and thousands and thousands of hearts this year. 
Fill your servants with all boldness to speak your word while you stretch out your hand to heal. I ask that you'd heal kids. You'd heal marriages. You'd heal communities this year. Father, we ask this not just for Faith Community Church, but would you do this in churches all around the St. Croix Valley, all around the region, all around our nation this year. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Let's stand and sing.